from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. A whale of a storm tail. And we couldn't figure out how it got there because the gates were shut. One that a Georgia farmer says is no bull. You've heard about the latest weight loss drugs like Ozempic, but how could they impact the dairy industry? Will 2024 finally bring about change in the numbers for the cattle industry? Yes, we're going to have a, a sizable correction that we can make in 2024. What the latest numbers just released from USDA are telling us right now on Ag. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when the name on the cap matches the power of one's purpose. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. One of the latest supply and demand report from USDA was a shocker. The just released cattle on feed report offered up few surprises for the market, but it also didn't give us insight into what the size of the beef herd is going to be this year. Now the agency reporting 11.9 million head of cattle in large feedlots as of January 1st. That's up more than 2% from a year ago. December placements dropped more than 4%, while marketings slipped about 1% from a year ago. Agnes Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, the numbers virtually matched pre-report estimates. That's right, the report was largely neutral, but remember it's a look back at December when mild weather promoted strong feedlot gains and record weights. And so market analysts say going forward with the abrupt change in the weather, they're expecting lower cattle supplies and weights in January. The report confirmed 4.5% less cattle were placed in December at 1.64 million head. Marketing slipped nearly a percent and the on-feed number was up 248,000 head from last year. That was right in line with expectations. But with the abrupt flip to winter the last couple of weeks, the market will start looking ahead at lower placements and weights than a year ago. Yeah, that's all very close uh, as far as numbers are concerned. I think we can handle that. And we look at where we're sitting right now in the middle of January and how we feel versus where we were a month ago in December when the weather was great and everything was gaining so well. Uh, I think we're already turning the page, looking forward into where we're at now, what the January numbers look like. This is the third consecutive month placements have been down from a year ago, dropping in each weight category except for nine weights. Placements also dropped 10,000 head in Colorado, 40,000 in Kansas, 35,000 in Nebraska, and 20,000 in Texas. Barlick says while there are ample cattle supply short term, this means there should be a marketing hole by spring heading into the peak grilling season, and that will support prices. Starting to feel like, hey, we get through into March, that's when some numbers really drop off. I hear a lot of a lot of estimates there. We thought that the calf crop would pull ahead, um, but maybe that's not going to be the case if we get quite a bit of winter on them. So uh, maybe for the short term, we've got some cattle, um, but I, I just think overall, this 102 on feed, uh, I think that number is going to start to slide as we get through the next couple of reports, start to pull that back. I guess if you're a fundamental guy like myself, you're, you're feeling really friendly that yes, we're going to have a a uh, sizable correction that we can make in 2024. Feedlot inventories included 7.2 million head of steers, up 163,000, and 4.74 million head of heifers, up 85,000, and an all-time record. Heifers also accounted for about 40% of all total U.S. cattle on feed, so this confirms heifers are not yet being retained for rebuilding the herd. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Act Day. All right, thanks, Michelle. Happening right now, the American Farm Bureau Convention is taking place in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
President Zippy Duval delivering his keynote speech to convention goers over the weekend. Duval emphasizing the need for Congress to reform the guest worker program to address labor shortages in agriculture. Now he described it as the most significant limiting factor in American ag. He also urged the passage of a new farm bill and talked about the need to reform the federal milk marketing order system. Everyone in the industry could agree that reform was way overdue. Now as a, as a dairy farmer myself, I can say it's easy to, to agree that there's a problem and that's one thing to do. But it is, it, it is tough and it's a different ball game to find that solution. See, that's what our challenge was. Our challenge was to find out what uh, the consensus was, what dairy reform really looked like. Where others saw a mountain blocking our way, we saw opportunity to grow stronger and lift that industry up. That's why a little over a year ago, we hosted a meeting with farmers, processors, and dairy groups, to, and it laid the foundation for USDA to have historic hearings on the federal milk marketing order. These, those meetings are going on and continues to, uh, this during this time. And at Farm Bureau, we're going to be at that table. The American Farm Bureau Federation is also seeking a congressional override of California's Proposition 12 animal welfare law, which has implications for livestock. The severe winter weather isn't over yet, but it's changing. Soon some places could be almost 30 degrees warmer than last week. Yesterday, the central plains and areas of the Midwest received sleet and ice storms. Areas further south seeing even higher temperatures. Forecasters there predicting heavy rain and a risk of flooding. And that big warm-up is underway. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has the very latest. Here's a look at that temperature outlook and we'll start right there. Now, once we get through uh, this system that's coming through Tuesday and Wednesday across the United States, everything fills back in uh, with above average temperatures. In fact, this pattern that is set up across the United States between the 27th, 31st, but also the first week of February is just that. It's a long-term pattern, something reminiscent of December, you know, where we just kind of got uh, socked into this warmer-than-average trend that didn't last a day or two, but rather uh, weeks. Again, there's that temperature outlook, January 27th you know, through the 31st, and even the first part of February uh, looks pretty warm as well. And here's a chilly looking shot from Oklahoma Transportation. Ice spotted on the cameras and the roads near Tulsa. Just overall a bad day for driving yesterday in Oklahoma following the freezing rain. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. An update on the story we've been following for you. Drought continues to limit the amount of irrigation water available to farmers in the Klamath River Basin. The U.S. Bureau of Reclamation says farmers along the California-Oregon border will get one-seventh of the Klamath River water that they would receive in a wetter year. That region of the West Coast continues to deal with a multi-year drought. Farmers, they didn't get any water back in 2021. Now, the Bureau continues to limit releases in order to keep bodies of water at certain levels. The measure is meant to protect an endangered fish species important to Klamath tribes. How are farmers doing at limiting nutrient runoff from Midwest farm fields? Well, according to a new EPA report, there hasn't been much improvement. The EPA releasing an updated assessment of water quality and nutrient pollution in U.S. rivers and streams. Now, the data collected from samples taken in 2018 and 2019 Agency scientists say phosphorus levels, they dipped slightly. Nitrogen levels remained almost exactly the same. 
Samples were taken from across the Mississippi River Basin, and more than half of the basin's miles of rivers and streams were found to be in poor condition for snails, worms, beetles, and other bottom-dwelling species due to nitrogen and phosphorus in those waterways. About a third were rated as having poor conditions for fish. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN. Hear how farmer Heath Cottrell achieved award-winning corn yields with ESN Smart Nitrogen. Learn more at SmartNitrogen.com. Cover crops can help farmers flip their soil to achieve higher yields, but they can be tricky for some farmers to incorporate. Well, farmers in strict corn soybean rotations have limitations as well as farmers in the northern corn belt. Steve O'Neill with Corn Capital Innovation says operations north of Interstate 80 have a condensed growing season, making it challenging to incorporate cover crops. Depending upon if it's a fall established crop or a spring cover crop, your window is only so long and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to warm up and heat up as soon as we can and extend it as late as we can to keep that biological cycle going as long as possible and trying to implement cover crops that can be a challenge as well too. He thinks growth will be slow but continual. So I think you're going to see more integration of different ways to use them, not just broadcast, maybe in a row, different disciplines, you know. You're seeing more tillage practices that allow, you know, management between the rows versus on the row on how you're planting that crop. O'Neill says the plant and soil health improvements are worth the cost to build that nutritional value in the top few inches of soil through cover crops. The cost of drought is continuing to impact operations at the Panama Canal. New analysis says the key shipping lane stands to lose up to $700 million in 2024. Low water levels continue to limit traffic through the canal. Now, one administrator says it's starting to add up in terms of lost revenue. This year, just 24 ships a day are expected to cross. Normally, that number is closer to 38 ships daily. It's also making it more expensive to get in line. Together, the limited access has led to a 36% reduction in the number of ships crossing at the Panama Canal. Now, that's expected to cost the system between $500 and $700 million this year alone. A prank gone wrong has landed four Oklahoma State fraternity members in trouble with the law. The group arrested and charged with unlawful removal and disposal of a carcass. You may remember back on December 1st, members of Farmhouse Fraternity discovered a dead longhorn on the house's front lawn. It was on the eve of the Big 12 championship game against the Texas Longhorns. Police looked at the surveillance video and found several people in a truck and trailer had dumped the animal carcass there. The charges against the four are considered a misdemeanor. Stocks set new all-time highs while commodities hold the line. So are the lows in? Michelle Rook asks the question next in Markets Now. And later, a tale that would make Pecos Bill proud. How'd this bull get from one pasture to the next without ever opening the gate? We have the latest theories coming up. The stock price of ag giant Archer Daniels Midland slid Monday following the company's decision to put its chief financial officer on administrative leave. ADM making this statement on Sunday. CFO Vikram Luther now on leave amid a probe into accounting practices following a request by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Reuters says there are questions with respect to ADM's nutrition business, which supplies ingredients, including plant-based proteins, natural flavors, emulsifiers, supplements, and other things. ADM stock price fell Monday to its lowest level in multiple years. It's also appointed an interim CFO and says it is cooperating with the SEC. Grains start the week even Steven, and that has Michelle Rook asking, 
have we made lows for now? Greens ending mostly higher on Monday. Chip Nellinger, Blue Reefs Agri-Marketing joining us. Sabine's leading the charge on Monday. So how much of that was just corrective buying? Yeah, you know, I, I think we'd stretched this market so far to the downside, Michelle. So oversold. We were due for some sort of a corrective bounce. And I, I think there's a couple excuses. Maybe, uh, you know, towards the end of last week, the market started getting a little bit concerned with some of the dry weather that you're seeing in Argentina. They still have... Uh, you know, maybe a little less than half their growing season ahead of them. So the weather still matters uh, for real for Argentina, for sure. Uh, and then, um, you know, to start the new week out, a little bit of buying interest there in crude oil. So, um, you know, that combined with the dry weather in Argentina and oversold conditions, we at least got, uh, you know, a little bit of a bounce to, to start the week out in the bean market here. Yeah. And so beans being higher, crude oil being higher, that helped corn too? Well, I think at least stabilized it. You know, you started the week out uh, still having the funds in, in sell mode. You know, they had built up a pretty massive short position in the corn market here over the last couple of months. Uh, third largest in history. I think they're probably knock on the door of uh, probably somewhere around 270, 280,000 contracts they've built up on the short side. And, and we're coming into the end of the month here. We at least have it uh, in sight. So maybe they've stretched that position to a big enough size that uh, they're getting, you know, kind of, short on ammunition here as far as being able to push the market lower you have maybe got into a value area in corn as well so we held long-term support areas in corn and soybeans last week are we trying to form lows in those markets i do we're, we're so oversold technically in the short run here it's going to be hard to stretch this thing much further to the downside the funds have a pretty maximum position built up on the short side uh in the corn market third largest short position they've they've ever had and they're net short now, uh, 70-ish thousand contracts of beans. So I do think in the short run, we're trying to put a low in. And maybe we're in a value area. We started to see our exports pick up a little bit on the corn last week. We recently sold corn to Mexico. China was a buyer of U.S. beans last week. So I think we're maybe in a value area trying to put a, an ultimate uh, longer-term low in. That would be great. Thanks for joining us. Chip Nellinger, Blue Reef Agri Marketing. That's Markets Now. Love we'll our Ag Day coming up. I was talking about that at the surface, uh, we do have another low pressure system that is bringing in some snow and freezing rain in and across the Midwest through the rest of our Tuesday. This is going to exit to the northeast with the potential for some heavier snowfall back up into the northeast. Otherwise, more rain and possibly some freezing rain into New York City as well as New York State and Pennsylvania. Again, the timing on this uh, means the freezing rain shouldn't be as bad because uh, the middle part of the afternoon, those temperatures are going to be coming back up into the mid 30s. But behind this, with the warmer air, is going to be some more rain. And this is going to kind of soak now where we need it uh, down to the Gulf Coast states, the southeast, and then more cold rain back up into the northeast as that pocket of cold air that would be producing snow retreats back up to the northeast. Another trough tries to dig in Thursday and Friday. Now, I do anticipate this system bringing not only some rain, but also some snow back up here to the north. Now, this is Saturday at 4 p.m. We go back to kind of what we had in December, where the overlap of cold air and moisture precipitation uh, it just doesn't prove a lot of snowfall for a good part of the country. As we go forward, you might get that small overlap you know, with that coldest air back up into Canada, bringing over some snow, especially in the higher elevations uh, in the Appalachians, but also into the northeast. Again, there's Sunday at 7 p.m. The overall trend, once this low gets out of here, or this trough, is a ridge of high pressure building in. And not only are we expecting above average temperatures, 
but we're also expecting a below average precipitation. Now that's that time period towards the end of January and the about the first week of February. As for the jet stream, so this is coming up on, on Tuesday. You see that ridge trying to build in and then that next uh, low pressure system, the next trough starting to dig down Thursday and into Friday. One thing about this as we look all the way into the weekend is just how shallow that trough is. And I keep bringing you back to December well, because in the holidays happiness, but also because the weather pattern was very similar that the troughs that come through are very shallow, so you don't get a lot of very cold air dominating the United States. Rather, it's just a quick stint with some colder air and perhaps some snow. We'll start off with Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Yeah, there's going to be some rain, possibly some freezing rain, a high of only 40 degrees. Springfield, Vermont, We've got some evening snow showers high about 36 degrees and then Kimball snow showers. Craig Kimball, 47 degrees for a high temperature low of 22. If there's one bright spot in the dairy industry right now, it's cheese, and it appears global cheese demand just kept climbing. According to USDA's semi-annual dairy report on world markets and trade, global cheese consumption is projected to reach a new record high of 21.6 million tons. That adds up to 47.7 billion pounds this year. Compare that to last year and consumption is up 1.2% and up more than 5% from 2019. However, Serena Sharp of the Daily Dairy Report says global cheese production is rising even faster than demand and she says the U.S. is a major contributor to the surplus. USDA expecting U.S. cheese production will be almost 10% greater this year than it was in 2019, outpacing growth in domestic consumption. Lots of people start the new year with plans to lose weight, but this year the availability of weight loss drugs like Ozimbic, Wegovi, and Munjaro could change the game. What impact could that have on the dairy industry? Well, Phil Plourd of Everdon Ag cites a Morgan Stanley survey of consumers that were using drugs like Ozembic. They found those people were less likely to eat out compared to their previous lifestyle. In fact, they reported going to coffee shops, fast food places, or casual dining restaurants more than half as much as they used to. Hardest hit were fast food and pizza places, with 70% saying they were visiting both less frequently. The same study showing that 28% of weight loss drug users were consuming fewer dairy products. Was it a tall tale or a powerful storm? Up next, questions about how this bull ended up in a pasture after a gustnado blows through the farm in the country. Unusual sights happening in the country due to some wild weather. We start in Jeff Davis County, Georgia, when a gust NATO hit a farm. Now, the storm causing extensive damage to Charles Merchant's farm in Hazelhurst. The front half of the barn is gone, and the back half is gone. But here's where it gets unusual. The gust NATO appears to have steered a bull into an entirely different pasture. We had one bull wound up in this pen. And we couldn't figure out how it got there because the gates were shut. After the storm was over, the National Weather Service visited the farm. In preliminary reports, officials agreed, 
saying the storm had literally lifted a bull from one pasture to another. But merchants said an insurance surveyor claimed to have seen a bull jump over one of the fences a few days later. However, merchants said the fences are pretty tall and he doesn't quite understand those claims. Now the bull appears to be okay. And how about this? Some real horsepower to the rescue. A 350 horsepower SUV stuck in the snow in Tennessee and look how they got it out. An Amish gentleman from the nearby town of Etheridge responded with his two big draft horses and with the help of some people pushing and of course the horses pulling, they managed to get the SUV out. And that's all the time I have this morning. I'm sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Dan Clinton Have a great day.